0: 411 Live. Where well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your 411
1: Live. Have you ever thought about relocating? Wanting to go someplace better? Uh, you're thinking the place where I am right now, the street or the community or the neighborhood or the city needs some help. And then right before you make that move, you think maybe I should stay. Maybe I can help this street, this community, this neighborhood, this city make the changes in order to flourish. Hello, everyone. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. That scenario that I just mentioned, it came about when I thought about my guest, and that is Kurt Owens. So I want to say thank you for joining me. You are the pastor of You Flourish Church of Milwaukee. You're also the founder of Bridge Builders. So we have a lot to talk about. You have an interesting story, uh, a lot of facets to the story, and I want to hit some of them, but I know the podcast is a little short, but we will uh, talk uh, as much as we can, hit as much as we can. So thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me. A pleasure to be here.
1: You know, I mentioned that scenario, You know, leaving that place, looking for something better, and then deciding, hmm, maybe i shouldn't you were you were living in milwaukee you thought about going to grafton so yeah. tell me about that what happened and what changed your mind
0: yeah you know uh the the whole mindset is like you you do what you have to do to get out of the city. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I have so many friends and family who have done the same thing. It's like you haven't arrived until you found a way to get out. Um, and, And that was kind of the mindset. I completely disconnected from a neighborhood I lived in. Uh, I mean, a house I bought when I was 25 years old. Wow. uh, And so definitely I watched the neighborhood change. It's like, eh, yeah, it's about time to get out of here. The neighborhood is kind of gone to hell in a handbasket. And and I remember somebody asking me, it's like, do you think it's important to live in a neighborhood for which you pastor? And I'm like, well, maybe for other people, but not for me. I lived in Milwaukee my entire life, Mm -hmm. like I know the lay of the land. And uh, so it's going to be okay for me to drive in. And I remember doing the informational before we decided to, to plant my the second church uh, around the corner, uh, of which I had planted in my lifetime. And somebody came to the informational and just lit into me in the church uh at that that i was planting at that point in time was a predominantly uh the co- the makeup of the congregation at that point down was predominantly white <laughs> um and uh, but we were planting a location which we were looking to become more multi-ethnic and it was mm-hmm. going to be on the north side of milwaukee right around the corner from my house and somebody just lit into me from the neighborhood. Essentially, I was a black face uh, for a white church, going to make a bunch of promises, going to lead the neighborhood. And he just he just railed into me in the, at that informational session. And uh, and I tried to keep my cool. And I remember uh, just responding eventually, like, hold up. You know, I went to school in this neighborhood. I mean, this library used to be the, uh, the game room that I used to uh, play in. I, I went to the movie theater around the corner. I went to church around the corner. In fact, Uh, I live right around the corner and I heard the world stop because I heard myself say I live right around the corner and I had almost forgotten that I was still a resident of the community. And I just went home that evening and told my wife, I don't think we can leave. And it was at that moment that guy, he finally uh, let uh let go of me he he didn't he didn't drill me anymore once i told him that i was a resident of the community mm-hmm. and i knew at that more point in time that i i actually had to stay in order to make an impact in the community
1: wow that's a major decision uh, isn't it
0: it was <laughs> it it really was it was
1: yeah uh, he must have really torn into you It did. It it
0: really did, and uh, I think I began to think about it. It's like there's not many pastoral friends that I have that actually live in Milwaukee. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, most of the executive directors for nonprofit organizations don't live in the city. Everybody drives in. Everybody comes and steals from Milwaukee and take it take it back some someplace else. And I'm just like, that's problematic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That that's problematic, and we don't think it's problematic until we just step back from the situation and look at it. Like, how do we improve it if, um, you know, quality, good people don't stay in the city to right. make an impact in it?
1: Yeah. You talk about that. and it, it makes me think of how even our, our police officers— you know, they've a lot of them have moved out of the yeah. city, and they drive into the city <laughs> exactly to, to work. Everything: our teachers,
0: our police officers, yeah. our firefighters, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody drives in. That's what Milwaukee is—is is like we we drive in, we pilgr- pilgrimage, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we take it back to other communities, and we keep wondering what's wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you decided to stay, and you founded Bridge Builders. Um, I, before we get into you know the whole evolution of how that came about, let's just talk about what is Bridge Builders. I love the name, but yeah. what what exactly is it?
0: Yeah, so so Bridge Builders is a neighborhood of a development uh, organization, and um, we uh, exist to inspire inner city innovation that will holistically transform neighborhoods one block at a time. And when we talk about um, innovation, it's like we've been trying to fight some of the issues in Milwaukee for years, doing some of the same things, and the problem just seems to get worse. And so how do we innovatively begin to start attacking some of the issues in the community? I think Uh, the best way for that to happen is from bottom-up. Bottom-up solutions, people that have actually come from the community, people that have actually come from poverty and gotten themselves out of poverty are probably going to be some of the people that's going to be able to best address some of those situations in our community. And so we look at holistic transformation in in four uh, quadrants, uh, spiritual, uh, economic, physical, and and cultural uh, transformation. And for For me, uh, those were the things that were um, central to my life and helped me uh, change my life. Uh, You know, I once helped destroy the community, and I took a model that was used uh, when I was helped destroying the community to use it actually for good, to transform it. And so um, that was the concept, and our, our idea is how do we do that one block at a time? Let's not try to solve the whole city problem, but... If we can solve one block at a time, we can duplicate that to other blocks, other cities, uh, other states, (laughs) other countries.
1: You have a focus area?
0: We do. Our focus area is about 140 blocks. Now, we just extended to about 170 blocks because the church uh, that we just uh, acquired a couple years ago, we've adopted a portion of that neighborhood uh, as well. So... Um, but we run from like 37th Street um, to far west as 51st Street and as far south to Congress and as far north uh, to Silver Spring. Um, and so that's kind of like the old Milwaukee neighborhood, old, uh Thurston Woods area. There's uh, a good number of homeownership in the community, but there's also, you know, you got those pockets of mm-hmm. rental properties with absentee landlords and, and things like that that kind of help. Bring the neighborhood down, and so we're kind of focusing on that. And so our, our our mindset was, you know, we had closed down drug houses, and the, the, only to see them return again because the people who owned them, you know, yeah. really didn't have a stake in, in the the community, right? And so we decided, well, let's not just close the drug house down, let's buy it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and uh and so we buy the house, uh renovate the house and it becomes a lighthouse in the community or it becomes a uh a homeowner
1: occupied home. You know, that is so so important because in, in Milwaukee we, we have a problem with the homes. You know, I, I can get a message on my phone or get yeah. something in it's the mail sign. saying, do you want to sell your home? You know, these investors from outside are buying up the the yeah. stock
0: yes. and then
1: renting it out at these crazy rates yeah. that people can't really afford. Yeah. And, you know, people who want to become homeowners, they, they don't have all that cash yeah. to just buy a home.
0: Yeah, that and that's become a, a huge problem. I get so many same thing. I get many, many calls. I'm like, how many people? They they know my name. They know. <laughs> know the addresses of the houses I own. I'm like, there's got to be some software out there where uh, this is happening. But but again, it goes to this mindset that Milwaukee is a place that you can pilgrimage, mm-hmm. um, and so Milwaukee is a place where investors all over the world are actually um focusing on because it's known as a place where um the city's not going to hold you accountable and you can collect great rents um and you can buy a property for a little bit of nothing because yeah. the property values are going down, and so we find ourselves um you know in bidding wars with investors in our community and so we tried to buy the same software that the investors have so we could actually connect with our residents as well. And we want our residents to stay. Yeah. But if they decide not to stay, it's to actually sell the properties to us and we'll make sure that those properties remain as uh, homeowner-occupied homes.
1: Right, yeah. right. You know, a- another thing that I always think of is if, if everybody could put on their thinking cap and realize that if you Help, Or if the people who are in impoverished areas, who are, you know, really struggling, they're hardworking people, but they're struggling. If those people are elevated, we all benefit. Yeah. And I I think sometimes that is missed. And what you're doing is helping people to elevate, I think. Yeah.
0: And I think it's really important because I think I was a resident in this community that had given up hope. Mm-hmm. I just like, man, this, this neighborhood has gone to hell in a handbasket and the best thing for me to do is to leave it. Um and you just cast judgment on mm-hmm. uh the entire neighborhood. But as I began to just go door by door, uh knocking on doors, uh uh introducing myself to some of my, my neighbors and finding out the stories behind. Yeah. Um, the situation that's going on. And one, one of the things that I realized, like there's 36 houses on a square block. And uh, what I realized is like, there was like 28 of those houses on the block that were people suffering just in silence, just like me. It was the eight houses that were problematic on the block that screamed the loudest. And that's mm-hmm. all you saw. Mm-hmm. You look down the alley, you saw the garbage, and it looked like the whole neighborhood that went to hell. But if you really zeroed in, you realized, hey, this is only like, three or four houses where the garbage is at. Right. <laughs> and um and so what we try to do is like how do we unify the residents in the community and 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 reinstill hope in them to see that like like we uh, we we are the stakeholders in this community and that we can fight back if we come together and, and, and stand up and, and, and make some of those things happen. So we've done different things, like, you know, there was mobile drug deals that was happening, uh, you know, in front of people's houses. The police couldn't do anything about it. Like, by the time you call the police, they're gone. Like, right. there's really nothing you could do. So we start putting signs out saying, like, mobile drug deals being recorded. Actually... Something as simple as that, it helped uh, nice. because when you've seen those signs throughout the block, like people will go to the next block and, mm-hmm. and be able to do it. So, again, it's just re- instilling hope in the people that, hey, we, we can make a, a difference if we kind of stick together.
1: There are some folks from your background who might be surprised at what you're doing now, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, and you alluded to it uh, earlier, but... You your life took a different path. I mean, you're a pastor now. You yeah. I think you're a PK too, uh, a yeah. pastor's kid. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow things got off off track, I guess I yeah, would
0: say. Yeah, yeah. Were you
1: a drug dealer?
0: I most certainly <laughs> was. I most certainly was. Um, you know, I, I I think the I I, I was a, a attracted to it uh, a very young, or at least I was attracted to the just the lifestyle. I seeing people in my community. Most of the people in my community were blue collar. I'd never seen a black lawyer. I'd never seen a black doctor. I'd never seen a black white collar anything. Uh, neighborhood I grew up in, it was just all blue collar. I wasn't attracted to blue collar. Mm-hmm. My dad was blue collar. I just I just I just I just wasn't and I believed that I couldn't be anything that I wanted to be in life. And so I just Figured that I'm gonna have to make my own way. And I it's crazy because the same year that I started college was the same year I became a drug dealer.
1: Are you and, serious? Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh and I was going to school during the days, uh, you know, living the life of a drug dealer at night, and I became really good as being a drug dealer. And so I dropped out of college and um and uh, I thought life was grand at the moment. And all of a sudden, you know, I was shot at a, a number of times. I was robbed by gunpoint. Wow. and Probably the last time, I, you know, I watched friends uh, get murdered, uh, mm-hmm. go to prison for a long time. And for whatever reason, like God's hand was on my life. The last mm-hmm. time I was robbed, uh, you know, I was told to get down on my knees and I just like— I'm about to get executed. Wow! <laughs> and I just remember just saying like I only got enough time to say, "Lord, forgive me." And 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 I did. When I seen that I was still alive, I'm like, "God, if you get me out of this situation, I, I promise I'll I'll change my life." And I was able to escape. Long story short, and uh, and I knew that like God had spared my life, didn't understand why. <laughs> Cause I did nothing to make him happy, Um, Mm -hmm. but 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 he did, and so you know that began uh, uh, a different road for me, and I ended up taking a job um, as a delivery driver and stop
1: right there. We're gonna come back (laughs) and we'll delve into that. Okay, stay with us. I'm talking to Kurt Oines. He is the um, founder of Bridge Builders. We'll be right back.
0: The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought.
1: When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time. When in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org.
0: I've always been told I gotta be strong. Thick skin, tough as nails. But to be everything for everybody, it wears on you. Black don't crack, they say.
1: But it can. We all can. Reach out to a friend if you see them going through it. No matter who you are, being vulnerable is what makes us whole. Learn how to help at seastoaqua.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. Kurt, I stopped you when you were about to get into the Sussex experience. So, uh, what happened in Sussex that really kind of changed your thinking?
0: Yeah, well, uh people wanted to kill me in Milwaukee. So it was a great <laughs> it was a great outlet to uh, to spend all of my time in Sussex. And I was preparing myself for, you know, my dad was born in 1936 in, mm-hmm. in Mississippi, so my idea of white America was was formed by uh, you know, my dad. And and so I was embracing myself for uh racism and all of those things in, in, in Sussex and uh actually I experienced just the opposite I was I was kind of confused yeah. <laughs> uh and it was at that moment that I realized I couldn't put everybody in the same uh put everybody in, in the same basket you know sometimes we just use broad strokes but I, I took a job there making seven dollars and fifty cents an hour it was pretty humbling uh but my boss uh you know he, just began to show me uh, love, and I don't I don't know why again at that moment. And he and kinda, he was white. He was white, uh-huh. and, which was surprising to me again. Uh, and he uh, promoted me over and over and over again, uh, made me warehouse manager, uh, brought me into the front office. He told me he had trained me on anything I wanted to learn in the front office if I'd be willing to punch out. Um, I did, and when somebody, when a position opened up in the front office, he would put me in it, and wow. I just kept working my way up. In a period of a year and a half, I went from a, a delivery driver for a pharmaceutical company, I might add, <laughs> <laughs> um how ironic, right? <laughs> right, right. And uh, and my route was an Oconnell Walk, uh, you know, Delavin, Watertown, Jefferson. I mean, places where, yeah, it ain't a whole lot of black folks at. And uh, and again, I had I had pleasant experiences, which mm-hmm. to my surprise. And uh, and so I worked my way up to like second in charge of that branch, and oh, we wow. went from like the third the the last ranked branch in the country to number one, and uh and I got promoted to run uh, 13 branches around the country uh, uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. And, 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 oh, wow. and so my experience took me to Jackson, Mississippi. And at this point in time, I'm still a college dropout. Um, and I, I go to Jackson, Mississippi. And it was there that I seen a progressive black community that I'd never been exposed to. All in of, Jackson, Mississippi. In Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I'm now stick I stick out like a sore thumb. The church I went to, I was probably like the only one in that church that didn't have a college degree. Um wow. and I just saw black professional after black professional. All of a sudden, you know, I realized that the segregation that I experienced in Milwaukee didn't exist there. Like Black people lived everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did something to me. I needed to see that. And I saw people my same age that had accomplished great things. And I'm like, man, this could have been me if I'd have stayed in college. And and it was at that moment that I decided, like, yeah, I think I'm going to go back to college. And, and so I... Went back to college and just never stopped.
1: <laughs> you know, listening to your story, do you think that that is part of what's happening? Because there are a lot of young kids who are entertaining the idea of maybe selling drugs or are doing it, yeah. or and they're like little business people. Yeah, they actually have skills Absolutely. that they don't know that could be used in a legitimate way. Yes, it's that exposure. That they're missing. It is. You know?
0: It, it definitely is. And that's what I always say. I always try to take, like, even the experiences from my own life and, like, man, if I can just, like, get that over to some others, I mm-hmm. think it may benefit them. Just being exposed to it. It certainly won't work for everybody, but if there's uh, somebody that's out there that that has all, all the skill level and, and, and this ability, I, I always talk about this hustle, this grind. I'm like... If you're a hustler, like regardless of what it is that you're dealing, yeah. <laughs> like you could be successful. And I just say, even uh, a, a successful, a guy that was successful as a drug dealer, could be successful in doing something else in his life because, like, the grind is the same, but mm-hmm. it's being legitimate and being exposed to some some things that are different. Yeah. And so, for me, again, being exposed to a, a multi ethnic lifestyle and realizing, like, like everybody. Uh, of the other don't hate me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everybody ain't racist and it's not saying that, that racism don't exist but it's also understanding that there's some good people that's out there that if you can get plugged in with it, it, it expands your networks. So my social networks expand, which meant that my economic networks expanded. Like all of that expanded because that wasn't in my community. Mm-hmm. Um, but that exposure was was really, really, really impactful for me and, and, and helped me, help point me in, in some of the right directions in my life.
1: And so. That brings us to bridge builders. Yeah. And that multi-ethnic, you yeah. know, multi-racial yeah. dynamic. Because that's part of bi- bridge builders. Oh,
0: big time, big okay. time, and and so one one of the things for me is like, how do I help expose people from the the central city to people who live in the suburbs, that they would never have an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to connect because of many things that we do in, in our communities are segregated, specifically in Milwaukee, known as the most segregated city in the right. country. Um, and so if you're not intentional about it, it won't happen. And so since I was uh, uh, pastoring a church that at one point that had a majority uh, white congregation, Uh, I would bring people into our community that was, I mean, most of the people that were coming into our community were were predominantly white Um, and they were coming in nervous. Am I going to be perceived as the great white hope Uh, and on all of those things? But the thing that made it impactful was as they knocked on doors in our neighborhood and said, hey, my pastor lives in this neighborhood. Well, people in my neighborhood didn't visualize me as being a pastor of white Mm -hmm. (laughs) people knocking at their door. And so it just really opened up the door for people who were different to come into our community because they knew that they were coming in uh, at an invitation by myself. And so we were able to kind of work hand in hand with with people in the community that really helped build up the community. So we changed garage doors, we um changed uh siding in the at when we began our work in the alley cuz that's where I saw the drug deals happening. All okay. of a sudden you put 50 white people in the alley in a central city, no drug deals <laughs> are, right. are happening. Uh, and and actually it was so amazing people would pull over because they want to know what was going on. And this was like 40th and Hampton. So you got 50 white people walking up and down the block on 40th and Hampton. People pulling over, like, what's going on here? Yeah, and it was a conversation starter, and it mm-hmm. allowed us to um, make more connections with residents uh, in our community. So it really ended up being a really powerful thing. And so that's that cultural transformation piece. And so uh, when you got employer and the unemployed working on the roof together, the unemployed is now working for that employer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen couples meet each other on the rooftop that oh, are wow. now <laughs> that are now married. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's it's just really been interesting to see how how um, the you residual effects, yeah, right? yeah, 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 just really creating a platform of bringing people together.
1: There's so many different concepts within Bridge Builders. The lighthouse, yes. How many lighthouses do you have
0: right now? We currently have two lighthouses, and this is where we have we we take a dilapidated property, renovate that property, and we. Uh, would bring in a long-term uh missionary who's who's missional uh to that particular block and their job is to just serve the needs of the 36 people in that block to keep them united, report any problems that's happening, really kind of police that neighborhood. And uh, and those lighthouses are working in conjunction with what we call a hub house. Mm-hmm. A hub house serves a total of six uh, blocks mm-hmm. in our target area. And that is where our staff actually works out of. So we will never have a commercial building. We will always work out of houses because we want to be like part of the fabric of of a community. And so once we, um, saturate that six blocks, we move on to another six blocks with another hub house and Uh another six lighthouses. And so, um, we've been casting that vision, uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, but, um, you know, it, it takes a little time to kind of get that going with with the fundraising and all that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a ton and it's, it's much bigger than what we can do. Uh, Alone, so, um, but, but that's the concept. It's and it's interestingly, it's the same concept that was used to destroy a neighborhood, Mm. hub house, (laughs) drug house,
1: (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) Every
0: every six so I decided, well, let's take that same concept um, and use it for good.
1: So, how is the community embracing it?
0: I think the community is embracing it well. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, uh, as far as our neighborhood meetings, you know, when we first started, it was kind of difficult. Then we had to deal with the pandemic. Uh, So, um, you know, uh, much of what we did was bringing people together. Pandemic said Mm -hmm. keep people apart. But we have really been able to engage our residents in ways, uh, I think, that are probably different than other organizations because, I mean, organizations that probably have 10 times the budget of us don't bring in the same resident engagement as we do and i think the difference for us is our presence. Yeah. And when i say our presence is i have a sense of urgency that i actually live in the community. So when the gunshots go off, i hear the gunshots. When the street lights don't come on because the city won't turn them on or they won't fix the streets, mm-hmm. like i experience that as well. So my urgency level is different. And so we have a presence that is probably different than many of the other organizations like we never leave we're always there. Our, the hub house uh, model is the fact that um, is another reason why I think we have more resident engagement than probably organizations that's 10, 20 times bigger than us. Yeah, I
1: think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. If someone listening um, and they think, wow, I like this. Can I help? What can I do? What can they do?
0: Well, uh, we have. If you go to our website at at bridgebuildersmke.org, there's an opportunity uh, for you to serve, you know, have an opportunity to come out and just kind of see what we do on Saturday serve day. Um. Or if you're a person that don't want to get your hands dirty and you want to throw a check <laughs> at the problem, I'm You'll not. Take it. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that that make people feel bad for throwing a check at. Everybody got their gift, and if if all you can do is throw a check at the problem, throw a check at the problem. We got some people on the ground floor with boots on the ground that's ready to do it. We just need to be resourced.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah. That I mean, the whole concept. It's yeah. great, the Hub House, the Lighthouse. You know, people coming together, multiracial, multi, yeah. multi-ethnic, ethnic um, It makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I congratulate you on this.
0: Well, I I, I appreciate that, and uh, you know, it's uh, you know I'm, I'm still trying to <laughs> keep my wife <laughs> engaged with this because. <laughs> She's, she's, she's followed me on this, uh, on this mindset, but every so often she asks her like, is it, you think we can we think we can move yet?
1: <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not no. yet.
0: We're we going to, we're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep pushing.
1: Yeah. It takes a good woman yeah. to help a good man, you <laughs> yes. know? Hey, Kurt Owens, he is the founder of Bridge Builders and the pastor of You Flourish Church of Milwaukee. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, it's it's been, a, been a great discussion. It's
0: been a pleasure to be here. Thank yeah. you for having
1: me. Yeah. And thank you for joining us for another edition. Remember, we are a nonprofit organization, so if you feel so inclined, go to our website, the411live.org, and help us out. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is The 411 Live. Real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like and watch us on Facebook, watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.